Blog Talk Radio. Women have the power to transform this world. We can end crime and violence if we all agree to do one thing. Share. Let's share our wisdom, share our time, share our talents, share our finances. But most of all, let's share our love. This is The Female Solution. Join me, Naima Latif, every morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, as we bring you stimulating discussions about the issues affecting our lives. If you're listening online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution, press the blue button that says follow and get our daily topics every morning directly to your email and your smartphone. Hi, I'm Naima Latif executive producer of the Female Solution Radio Show. We invite you to call in 515-605-9325 and participate in this daily think tank as we examine the challenges we face and develop solutions that restore peace and harmony. We are global transformers, changing the world from the way it is to the way it should be. We are one. Wherever we live on this earth, We are one human family. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to extend a greeting to all the members of our family, whenever and wherever you may be listening around the world. To our family in China, Ni Hao. In India, Namaste. In Japan, Konnichiwa. In Korea, Annyeonghaseyo. In Russia, Zdrastutsye. In Germany, Guten Tag. In Poland, Dzień Dobry. In France, bonjour. In Spain, hola. In Italy, ciao. In Egypt, ahen wasalen. In Ghana, akwaba. In Nigeria, peleo. In South Africa, saobona. In Senegal, nangadet. In Kenya, jambo. In Israel, shalom. In Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia, assalamu alaikum. Greetings. And may peace be upon you all. Tune in to Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life, and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Soulful Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515 605 9325 with comments and questions. Look to hear from you real soon. And Grand Rising, and we are here live with Dr. Debbie Green. And we oh, have... good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green. And I'm Dr. Debbie Green. This is a pleasure meeting you today. If you join us before, please subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We want to hear from you. If you're watching on Facebook, 
Um, just let us know how we can expand our territories and give us subjects that you may be interested in hearing. Really quick, before we get it, get started, uh, this topic today means a lot to me because I've been actually looking and studying it for some time. And um, it's called uh, generational transfer, but there's other things as well as also uh, ancestral mathematics. And if you've never really got into it, then, you know, just stick and stay. You're going to learn a little bit about it. We often wonder how we are uh, made up or, you know, as far as our characteristics, our personalities. You know, we say, oh, you get it from your mama. For example, you know, it's coming down in generations and and the grandparents or whatever the case is. But it's so much more to it than that. And uh, I just want to explore that today, if I may, and kind of give you some background information as well as some clinical, uh, you know, advice, you know, within the reach of of talking about epigenetics. So we're going to go ahead and get started. And, again, thank you so much for joining me. I see my background host is in the rear there. I'm going to go ahead and... Yes. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning Good and grand rising to everybody. And as always, I'm so excited to address this topic. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend um, several weeks ago, and she was talking about the process that they go through. She's from another country in Africa, from Mauritania, and she was talking about when she got ready to marry her husband, they go through an extensive background check. Her family goes through an extensive background check to see if there's anything in the background in terms of mental illness or even criminal behavior because the thought is, all that you are, all that your ancestors have been, you're bringing to this family. So we want to make sure that there's nothing in in your ancestry that is questionable. And I thought that was really fascinating because, you know, most of the time when people in Western and, you know, American society, they don't think that someone's ancestry could influence present behavior or tendencies in your spouse or even in the children that you're going to have. So, that is something we need to study and understand how it works. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, all parts of us, mind, body, spirit, soul, is transferred. Mm. You know, I mean, it's not just, you know, our thought processes or, or, you know, it's again, it's a whole body transfer. It's, it's a whole it's, it's truly remarkable. When I started studying it, and um, I studied it for a while back in when I was doing my doctrine, because this is what my doctrine was on. Wow. When, uh, because my doctrine is in divinity as well as organizational leadership. And I wanted to study how the topic of generational curses or, or blessings, either one, um, is transferred from you know, ancestry or lineage to generation to generation. So what I did, Naima, was compare the scientific data to the biblical data. Mm. And then I came up with a, a you know, a, a thesis as well as a dissertation uh, to explain that the Bible is true, right? Because according to the Word of God, we revisit the fathers, 
Now, he didn't say the mothers. He said the fathers. The right? the fathers so will be visited the, on the sons. Correct, right? So um, the male gender, it's the male gender, not the female gender, which is very interesting. So I started deep, you know, going in that area, and I said, well, wonder why it's not why it's the male gender and not any other, you know, like female gender. Mm-hmm. But the thing about this is because man was created first. But that's a whole nother story in it. But the epigenetics is what I'm talking about, right? Because I know on your, in your book you're saying, you know, the transference of trauma mm-hmm. from, you know, the 1800s, which is in before, you know what I'm saying, as far as slavery yeah. is concerned, right? So let's just say, and let's think about it like this, how about this, 200 more generations before 1800? Oh, I, I agree. I agree. Right? So we all went, it, it, every generation went through its own trauma. Yes. Right? So what happens to all that trauma, you know, because it's all emotional energy. That's all it is. It's emotional energy that permeates the thought processes of the human being, that permeates the body, because trauma affects the body, the mind, and the spirit. So as these things are transferred, that's when things start to evolve as we see them now. Right? It's a very evolved into all of it. Even even the murder gene. And I say, What is there a murder gene? Huh. Well, yeah. You know, well the your cells genetically store the memories of not just yourself but your previous generations as you said. So and yeah. so that means if you have an ancestor that has committed murder, the memory of that is stored in your genes, in, in, in the cells of your body. So absolutely, that is something that you'd want to know about someone. Has someone in your ancestry committed a murder? And is that trait, that possibility, passed down through you? Right. And I'm not saying that everybody's going to murder someone. That's not what I'm saying. But, but in, uh, again, when I did the scientific uh, research based upon also and compared it to biblical context during the time when Cain slayed Abel, and I'm going somewhere just then I'm going to go back to my uh, generational transfer. So, But I wanted to make this point. When Cain slayed Abel, at this point, God told Cain, you will never die. And anyone that tries to murder you or take your life will suffer a greater, uh, you know, a, a greater uh, agony, as one would say. Now, the thing about this is, in that context, what that means is that this anger, this evilness, and, you know, we would think it would be evil to take another person's life if it's not self-defense or some type of, uh, you know, rationale behind that. But to deliberately take someone's life, you know, without any remorse, without any feelings. So what what type of human being is that? What What is that, that that's transferred down the humanology or the genetic gene 
that is going to cause something like that to happen in that person, right? Because we know it's alive and well, and it's been alive and well way before we existed on this earth. You see what I'm saying? So that's just one of the traumas. That's just one. But then you have all of these other traumas too. The other traumas of what they call hate. Hate is a trauma because it changes the human being, right? Guilt is a trauma. When anything turns, you know, even anger turns into rage, it's a trauma. So whoever is implying that upon themselves are another human being, we're dealing with high emotional energy. Those high emotional energies start to turn into other things. And here we come with this thing called mental illness. So the rage, the guilt, the shame, uh, all of those things that actually is a part of life, but then when it turns toxic is when it starts, it changes. It changes the DNA in that human being as well as also transferred down to their children if, if, if they are not aware to get that part of themselves repaired. Now, I believe in DNA repair, okay? I also believe in damage control, because those are two different things. DNA repair is dealing with your chromosomes, your characteristics, all of the scientific makeup of your being. You see what I'm saying? But the, let's just say for the sake of understanding so we don't get so deep into it, um, how do we repair a person, or how would one repair themselves, if I should say, if they were always angry, even even when they were children, like they were all, they always had an agitation, an irritation, a it's like you can never uh, get them to calm down. They always was heightened, you know, saying low tolerance, very temperamental. Okay, where did that come from? It could possibly be transferred uh, into utero which is, again, through the mother. But then we know the chromosomes come mainly because the father is the one that determines the male from a female. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So as these emotional genes start to get transferred, they transfer and they continue to transfer. And as they transfer, then that's when in this era, in this modern time, there's a lot of energy that's transferred that people don't even know how to deal with because they were never taught how to deal with them. Well, one, thing I would, one thing I would say, uh, especially dealing with an angry child, the thing that you don't do is punish them for anger because all that does is create more rage, and that's the mistake that parents keep making because they're not looking at the deeper causes of anger. Even with the Cain and Abel story, what we should have learned from that is if you create a rivalry and a competition between siblings, you create jealousy and therefore anger, which could lead to murder. And in a real sense, parents make that same mistake. If you look at biblical stories as a way to learn lessons 
of what to do and what not to do, then what you don't do is pit one child against the other or make one child better than another or give something to one child and not give it to the other because that does create jealousy, anger, rage, and it can escalate to violence. A lot of times parents don't know how to respond appropriately when they have one child and then they have a second child and then there's sibling rivalry, there's jealousy, that first child feeling like, the you know, the baby's getting all the attention or, you know, the, 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 the new child is all of a sudden uh, getting more love and parents don't know how to respond appropriately when that first child begins to act out because they're not understanding that what the child needs is reassurance that they're still loved just as much. And so they become punitive as opposed to responding with love. And love is always a solution. But if parents don't have the wisdom, then they'll respond with punishment, which creates more anger, more rage, and more likelihood of violence. Well, that's why I was just making my point. We were not taught from our ancestors on how to deal with those issues you just said. You see what I'm saying? Because, it, you know, the natural and the hierarchy of living, as Maslow said, he said, you know, it is the nature of the beast for survival, right? And it doesn't matter if this person near you could be your family member, a friend, or enemy. It's all about survival. So everyone wants to be noticed, and we want to be accepted. We want to feel belong, yeah. and we also want to be first. Yeah. If somebody tell you they don't want to be first, that's a lie. <laughs> yes, I do want to be first. You know, oh, I'll wait. No, deep down inside, you don't want to wait. You just being passive aggressive, okay? You really do want to be first. And Martin Luther King created that. He, he did that speech. He said about the drum major. I don't know if anybody ever heard that speech oh, yeah. before. It, <laughs> about the drum major. He said the drum major was was the most important part of, of the band. Because yeah. he had to lead. Yeah. But they don't understand being first means you got to be a leader, right? Yeah. We want it, but at the same token, we don't want the responsibility that comes along with it. Yeah. And before you can even lead another human being, you got to know how to lead yourself. Absolutely. Right? Okay, so we go back into this thing called epigenetics. I want to I wanna really uh, dive deep into this because I got to get also, I got only got an hour and a half to put this out here, you know what I'm saying? And this is uh, this part of the transition of trauma is the most important part to this whole thing because I sit before individuals daily. And I see, and they always say, I don't know how I got this way. I, I hear that all the time when people mm. are severely depressed to the point where they want to take their lives. Wow. I don't know what happened to me. So as I listen and I do an assessment and I go back in that genealogy, which is asking them questions as far as they can remember, what type of grandparents did you have? You know, how did your mother treat your father? How did you mm. grow up? And looking at all of those things, and tell me what, don't spare not one trauma. Tell me everything you went through. 
pay attention, you should have what they call a supernatural awareness. And if you don't have it, you need to start today. Supernatural self-awareness is paying attention to all of your actions, what your whole being is telling you. What the body has a conscience and it gives off a message. The heart has emotions and it gives off a message. The brain has thoughts and it gives off a message. And so does you, you also get spiritual messages that's non-tangible. I just told you about the tangibles. The things that's non-tangible are the emotional messages, the thought messages, and the spiritual messages. But you have the tangible messages. Okay? So our being is forever communicating with us. It's just that we are so busy living outside of ourselves that we don't take time to pay attention to what's inside. What something's inside this what something's inside this being, right? All of this energy that you have that you move from day to day to day, if you take the time and you meditate on it, you will find out a lot of the answers are inside. They're not outside, they're inside of you. You know, the interesting thing about elephants, and they're the saying that an elephant never forgets, but elephants never. know how to consciously access all of the genetic memory that they have. So if they have an ancestor who's gone through a certain danger and they've learned how to avoid it, well, then the present-day individual will tap into that memory and avoid that situation. So we have the same capacity and understanding that everything that we are is a culmination of all that we've been. And you've just gone through the numbers of just 12 generations, but just think if you doubled that and the, the yeah. astronomical numbers, that would be if, if we were looking at 24 generations or even 48 generations, how many hundreds, how many thousands of years back. One of the things we talk about in the book Psychic Trauma yeah. is that if we – just stop at a traumatic slave history and we're still reliving that and we don't tap into the thousands and thousands of years before that when people were not living with fear-based trauma and feelings of helplessness and feelings of victimhood, if we're able to tap into the, the generations beyond that, then we can repair the damage of the most recent traumatic memory because that's in terms of the amount of time we have existed and the amount of cellular memory that we have. We have to know that our past is so much greater than the recent past, our, our distant past, which has so much intelligence, talent, skills, power, then those few hundred years, those few generations that went through the trauma of enslavement, imprisonment, torture, fear, we can overcome that, but we've got to reach beyond that to the ancestral ties and the genetic memory that is greater than that and gives us a sense of empowerment. Right, absolutely. And, we, and again, we, we can start today. Okay. Understand. Understand what you do with trauma. It's not what trauma does to you. Mm. It's what you do with trauma. What you do with trauma. You know. Yes. 
racial plights that we don't even aware of. Absolutely. We have no idea. Absolutely. Because, you know what I'm saying? Yes. I, I truly believe that. Oh, yeah. Well, we, you know, I want to expound on that when we come back from the break uh, because there are a lot of people who are hearing voices and the way they have been assessed is mentally ill, and that's not what it is. It is them having access to various spiritual dimensions, and others don't understand it because they don't understand the reality of existence and the fact that we we never die, but we do change dimensions of existence. And we'll talk about that when we come back. If you're listening online and want to join this conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325, and press 1 when you're ready to speak, and we'll certainly open your mic and get your thoughts. And if you're on our switchboard now, you've got some calls on the switchboard, and you have a thought you'd like to share, just press 1. That'll raise your hand on the switchboard, and we'll get your thoughts. We'll be right back after this quick break, so stay with us. Everything you need, what your body needs, is found in nature. So Susan Essentials doesn't do it any other way. Susan Essentials provides your employees and individuals access to over 20,000 nutritional products. And they are shipped direct to your door. Because Susan Essentials is certified in plant-based healing, we're permitted to offer you the best nutritional supplements on the planet. They're non-GMO and sustainably produced. And we take the guesswork out for you. Let Susan Essentials help you take control of your health today. Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly Culture World Peace Restoration of Light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and other boundaries to achieve a peaceful harmony and the global society. HWPL is committed to bringing world peace and cessation of war through peaceful dialogue between religious groups. I am Director Shin Suk Kim of the HWPL Chicago branch of North America. Join us for our next gathering. Call 773-580-1501 and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at chicagohwpl at gmail.com. We have an opportunity to transform the whole global society in the next 50 years. 50 years from now, the earth will be populated by a new generation of adults, many of whom are yet unborn. Our mission is to nurture them in childhood with love, guidance, and protection and to raise them in healthy, happy families. If we impart values of compassion, generosity, and respect for fellow human beings in the next generation of children, they will create a world where people can live together in peace. This is our goal. Be a part of the transformation. Get your copy of the book, 
the female solution. Go to www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Given the 
opportunity to understand it properly. And then you have people who tune in to those disembodied spirits that may be on a lower level in terms of their consciousness. They do things, as you mentioned, you know, hurtful things. And if you're on that vibration, you tune in to those those spiritual beings, to their energy, and they could influence you to then do harmful things. So we're always communicating with un, an unseen world all the time. There's a, there, there's a connection all the time. And if we're not aware of it, if our culture does not allow us to acknowledge it, then it gets misunderstood as mental illness when someone is hearing voices. It's not their imagination. We're all connected all the time to all life, all energies. This is all we are. We're just energy. And That's right. when you tune in to the, 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 the energy, the emotions, the, 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 the thoughts of one that is unseen because they are no longer embodied, that is real. And we have seen people who are always, as you said, talking to somebody that nobody else sees because the, the veil between the dimensions is thinning now and we are yeah. we're becoming more able to communicate and, and sense and feel and be influenced by that which is unseen with our physical eyes. Mm-hmm. And all over the Internet, you will see people talking about the enhancement of their their psychic abilities as a result of a near-death experience where they did, in fact, cross over. And maybe because of our modern medical technology, we're able to be brought back and re-enter the body after being declared dead or or flatlining, and, and they literally had no pulse for a long period of time, but they had an experience on the other side, and they come back and talk about it, and it's not their imagination. So it's all over the Internet now. You so many different uh, websites and, and, and YouTube channels where people are talking about their near-death experiences. They're talking about their experiences after having been after having gone through hypnotherapy and and regression therapy. So these are real things that now bring to mind what are all the influences that we're experiencing, some seen and some unseen. And the more we know, the more we understand, and the more we realize how we are influenced not just by that which we see and hear in this time, but we are still influenced by generations before us. And as you said, the things that they experienced and how it made them feel and how we are still experiencing that. And now we are understanding that there is an eternal connection because life is eternal. The body dies, but the soul is always here, and souls communicate with other souls all the time. So now that we're understanding, we can address it differently as opposed to presuming someone who is tuning into an unseen being is mentally ill or having an overactive imagination or somehow needs to be uh, hospitalized in a mental institution, we can understand what they're really experiencing and address it differently and, and help them cope with it. 
she said, you know, I can't, I can no longer treat my children like this because of how my mother treated me. And so she came and she got help to deal with her traumatic areas. And she would always, Naima, go back into that inner child trauma, and you would see that child act out right in, right there in the adult, and you could just yeah. see it and hear it. And I helped her to identify what was, what is, and what the future person is, because we're three-part beings, not just by mind, body, and soul, but we are what was. That's all our genetics, everything that's been in front of us. And we are what is. What is is the present moment, what we are now, and what's coming to be is our future. And we have to look at ourselves as three-part beings, especially when we're dealing with trauma or hurt or pain or any any type of emotional overture uh, instability. Uh, we need to look at ourselves as three-part beings so that we can understand, you know, so we don't beat ourselves up saying, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be happy? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? I'm not like everyone else. Everyone else seems to have this wonderful life. Deep down in myself, I'm just unhappy. I smile on the outside, but deep down in myself, I'm just, I'm, I, I just don't have any peace of mind. And you ask yourself, why is that, right? It's because you haven't segregated yourself yet. And I know that sounds weird, but you have to learn how to segregate yourself. you got to know the past person is the past person. So whatever's coming through the past doors to your present moment, you have to ask, it, you know, what is it that you're trying to teach me? Because you got to learn from it. Because, see, one thing about epigenetics, it is our, it's in our DNA. We can't just go back and wipe the slate clean of our memory base in our cellular structures. However, we can do damage repair. Yes. Yes. I believe in damage repair Absolutely. wholeheartedly. Right. But you got to know where the damage is. mother's mother. There are so many things 
that we're carrying in our genetic memory as well as what we experienced in terms of treatment that have us walking around still traumatized, and we have to heal. And the first step is understanding, understanding what you have inherited, understanding the behavior that you experienced from the adults that raised you and the fact that they were traumatized and still carrying whatever wounds that never healed in them, and that's what they inflicted on you. But you can't, like Dr. Debbie says, you can't identify yourself as a helpless victim. You must choose to end that cycle. You must choose to be the person that changes the direction of your entire ancestral line because this is the time to be restored to emotional health. And that means being able to understand what happened and forgive it and let it go so that you don't pass it on to the next generation that comes through you. And all of us who have raised children, we probably have seen some of our behaviors that we said we would never repeat from our parents, and yet we did it anyway. We said those awful things anyway. We did those awful things anyway because we didn't get it out of ourselves. We didn't recognize it and heal from it and get rid of it before we began raising our children. So we have to work at healing the hurt. That means understanding where it came from and knowing we have the power to overcome it and to conquer it and not say, oh, well, my my mother abused me verbally. Oh, well, you know, she was an alcoholic or, oh, you know, she was violent. Oh, she put me down and... You know, I'm a victim. I'd be a better person if she had been a better mother. Well, you can't hold on to that because whatever she displayed was part of what happened to her and what happened to her mother and what happened to her mother's mother and happened to her mother's mother's mother. So we've got so many generations of, of people carrying pain and passing it on. You have to decide to be the generation that conquers it, overcomes it, and puts something new into the future. So that, like you say, we are the three-part beings. We're our past, our present, and our future. We have the power in this present moment to shape the future. So we have to make a conscious decision to do that. Mm -hmm. And we all have the power to do it. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I also want to reiterate, um, you have to make a bond and own your past. You cannot, in order to overcome your past, you cannot look at it as an idle threat anymore. You can you cannot look at it as something that's destroying you anymore. You have to go back to the past and see your strength. Yeah. And you say, well, well, they did this to me. They tore me down. They they took something from me. No, they did not. They didn't take anything from you. What they did was. They, 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 they use behavior, behavior and actions, and I'm not minimizing your pain. Please understand what I'm saying to you. But I want you to learn something. I want you to own it. Okay, if it was a violent past, I own it today. I'm not going to allow it to own me. I own it. When you own that, then what happens is you literally take all the energy, all the power from that thing, and then you use it for your here and now. Because 
you are a survivor, you are you're still here. You know, you may be broken, you may be prodigalized, you may you might be impacted by it, but you're still here. Yeah. You're yeah. still here. You see what I'm saying? And I I need you to come to that understanding that your presence is your power. Yeah. Yes, that's what it is. Your presence is your power. They didn't destroy you. They didn't take nothing away from you. They did not. They didn't, see, that's the thing. In your present moment, people, you have all the power, power resistance, power of purpose, power of communication, power of determination. You have so many powers within yourself that there's, there's nothing and no one really can do. But if you, again, if you keep thinking, and if you allow yourself to keep thinking, I am a victim of what someone done to me. So if you're carrying that unforgiveness in your heart, still, after all of this has been done, then you're losing power every day. Yeah. And that's the reason why you may be going through some changes in your present moment. It's because you have not settled, have not finalized. Because one thing about traumatic experiences, it will travel to the end of time with you. Yeah. You'll wake up with it. You'll go to sleep with it. You'll eat with it until you decide one day that that's enough. So I hope this one day you can look at your trauma and you can just write it all down and put by each trauma you write down. That's enough. No more. That's enough. No more. And when you do that, when you write it all down and you put by each trauma, that's enough. No more. Your brain is going to get that signal. Some things have to be written down, not just thought of. You know, and and writing is one of those things that make things, it makes things like a stamp in place. It makes things like you, you commit to something. You know what I'm saying? Just like if you do a goal list, you write down your to-do list. You go back and check one off, check one off. It's the same process. That's right. It's the same process. People have spent years in therapy dealing with trauma, and if that therapist that you're sitting next to does not remove victim mentality from you, you're just having somebody to talk to, baby. Mm. You ain't getting the way. First, got to get you rid of that victim mentality. Yes. That victim mentality has to leave. It has to go before you can overflow, before you can conquer. It has to leave. And I don't care if it's going through loss, bad divorce, loss of job, loss of house, car, a person, whatever. You know, violation, you know, sexual abuse. It doesn't matter what the trauma is. Stop the victim mentality of it and see how strong you're going to go. See how fast you're going to move when you no longer become a victim of it. Because victim mentality causes depression. So let me ask you this. Victim mentality causes anxiety. Let me ask you this question. There are people who it's as if they, they enjoy being a victim, and they complain about what someone did to them. You know, my ex-husband, he did me wrong, and uh, he, he uh, treated me badly, and it just on and on and on, or 
or the people on my job, they mistreat me, they talk to me uh, so disrespectfully, or, you know, my my mother uh, abandoned me as a child. She was never there for me, and she didn't support me, or my father left and, and didn't give us financial help, and, you know, all men are no good because then my father did this to me. I mean, there are people who they will hold on to that almost as an identity, and that becomes their excuse for whatever they're going through in life, whatever they're suffering is because, well, this person did me wrong, or these people, oh, well, they're, everybody's prejudiced, and you know, they're not going to let me uh, achieve things in life because of racism or sexism or whatever the thing is. People hold on to that and won't let it go. What is that? Is that... Is that a fear of taking responsibility for one's circumstances? Is it easier to blame someone? Is it easier to hold on to that victim mentality as an excuse for not achieving? What is that that makes a person resist the 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 idea of letting go of that victim identity? What is it? Well, I would like to answer that question, but it's time for a break so we can... Uh-oh. You want a break first? Yeah. <laughs> we got a long answer to that one. So we'll be right back after this quick break. And if you are on our switchboard now and want to ask a question or make a comment, you most certainly can press 1. If you're listening online and want to join the conversation, give us a call, 515-605-9325. And Press 1, so that lights your number up on our switchboard. And if you're watching us on Facebook, uh, Soulful Solutions, or YouTube, Soulful Solutions, write your comments in, and we can share them with our listening and viewing audience. And we will be right back, and make sure you subscribe to Soulful Solutions on Facebook so that and on YouTube so that you can get notices whenever we go live. And we'll be right back after these messages, so stay with us. Oh, man, God sent the monthly sun bill today. This sunlight is really expensive, especially during this season. I'll probably have to work overtime to pay it. Well, you better pay it on time. We don't want the sun to go out, and we're sitting up here all day in the dark. Wouldn't it be terrible if God charged us for sunlight? Well, thank God, the light and heat from the sun is free. So why are we paying such high bills for the energy we use in our homes? Because we don't know how to use solar energy, the free energy from the sun. You can convert your regular home to a solar energy home and save tremendously on your electric bill. Take a look at your electric bill. Wouldn't you like to reduce or possibly even eliminate that cost altogether? Let one of our solar consultants show you how. Call today, 312-849-3456, and schedule a free consultation. That's 312-849-3456. I'm Beata, your Holistic Life Coach. These days, it's more important than ever to work on your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Are you consciously breathing deeply in stressful moments? Do you have a plan or daily routine to maintain balance in your awesome body? 
Are you struggling to be disciplined in your eating habits? When you partner with me, I'll help you develop a personalized health plan that works for your particular lifestyle. You can find out more about me at yourholisticlifecoach.com where you can also review my three-step protocol to guide you to abundant health. That's yourholisticlifecoach.com, and I'm Viato. Is Monday morning a struggle to get out of bed, into the swing of things? Well, don't worry, you are not alone. Join us for thought-provoking, stimulating, and mindful conversations on higher learning with Zelda Speaks for your Monday morning mindfulness session on Blog Talk Radio, The Female Solution, Mondays, 7.30 until 9 a.m. Be sure and send your ideas, thoughts, comments, and suggestions. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit zeldaspeaks.com and send us your info. We'd love to have you. Experience mindfulness moments with the mindfulness slash stress relief coach, Zelda Speaks. And thanks for sharing the mindfulness moment tip of the day. Stay on purpose, stay empowered, and stay tuned to your next session of mindfulness on higher learning with Zelda Speaks. Make it a mindful day. And thanks for listening. Here comes a person that 
may care about you, may say, hey, you know, what are you doing? You're always making the worst of a situation. Won't you? I mean, it looks like some good is coming towards your way. Oh, no, I know this probably ain't the last. It ain't, it ain't the last. Now, is that a fear of being disappointed if things <laughs> you see go? People, I, I see people do it all the time, and I'm wondering. Yeah, nothing but you know, fear. So I'm afraid of being disappointed if I dare to hope. So rather than hope, I'd rather just keep affirming that things will always be bad. That way I'll never be disappointed. Is that is that how that thinking is? It's the opposite. I'm afraid things will get better. And then and not things... stay better. So I might as well be. Oh. I might as well stay disappointed because I'm comfortable here. You see what I'm saying? I'm comfortable not not knowing. I'm comfortable in my pain because that's what you call comfort in pain. Even though you know you don't want it, but you have built a tolerance to it. So, again, when something is changing, you don't want change. Mm. And even it could be a good change. You're you're real intimidated, apprehensive about it because, oh, that's not going to last. I see that happen all the time. immediately shut it down. I, I, see huh? pe- I see people do that. I see people sabotage really? opportunities all That's the time. Gone. It's like, you know, That's I always get gone. fired from jobs, but people never hired me. Okay, then you go and you get a job, but then you make it, for some reason you show up late or, or, or don't show up the next day, and then you get fired. We'll see people always fire me. Yeah, but you made that happen because you chose to not get there on time or you chose to uh, not call in and not show up. So you chose to create a situation where people would fire you, and then you say, see, people are always firing me. Oh, they're just prejudiced. Oh, they, people don't like me. Whatever it is, but you made that happen. And I see, I see that pattern in people all the time, and I'm wondering why are they choosing to recreate misery and claiming not to want things to be bad, but then I watch them actually make bad things happen to themselves. So are they really addicted to self-sabotage? Self-sabotage, and it's called addiction to unhappiness. Wow. There's a book that was written a long, long time ago. I forgot the author, but it it is. It's addiction to unhappiness. And we call that unnecessary suffering. Mm. So they got patterns of unnecessary suffering. And you're like, well, I don't understand why would a person leave the logic? You're looking at it from a logical point of view to try to understand it. Why would a person want to be risible when they don't have to be? Because it's comfortable. You know when I ask people that question? Because that's one of the questions I, I ask when I'm dealing with people who have been uh, dealing with depression and all of these things that, that cause them to feel, you know, out of control and not be able to live a life of peace. I said, what is in misery that you are so comfortable with? Mm. They say, oh, because it's familiar, because it's all I've ever had, and it doesn't seem like things will ever get better. That was my, that would be their response. So can that happen then I, where a person is actually, I guess, set in a pattern of misery, maybe in childhood where they never had joy, and so they just really don't have a memory they can go back to to recreate where they were ever happy or ever experienced joy. And so, like you say, it's familiar. Being sad, being disappointed is familiar. 
being talked to badly is familiar. Being neglected is familiar. So they keep recreating that circumstance. Even if someone's trying to be kind or trying to show them love, they recreate the misery because that's familiar, because that's what was set in motion by the people who raised them. Is that possible to happen that way? Okay, right. Let me use that as an example. If one experienced those type of situations over and over again throughout a period of life, it could be from three years old to 15, for Mm -hmm. example. That means it's a repetitive thing. That's epigenetics, what you just said. So now... All of that energy is just continually transforming, keep cycling, keep cycling, keep cycling. So now this is their adult self. So it ain't happening to them through other people anymore. It's happening inside of them. Now they're doing themselves that way, not even realizing. Mm. They are the they're, they're the one because they have adapted. They have adapted to the pattern that was already created from the beginning. You understand what I'm saying? So they have yeah. adapted to that that pattern. So going and they're living their childhood trauma in their adult life. I see this all the time, Naima. Mm. I see, I can literally see, I can ask them a question and they will respond out of the childhood mind. Wow. And now that the adult mind. So I did immediately let them know, wait a minute. What mindset are you answering my question? I already know just from what it sounds like, right? Because it sounds like they're answering it from a high, intense emotional state. And I know it's not the present moment. It's the past. So I helped them to identify. I said, okay, you asked, I asked you a question of just something simple, you know what I'm saying, where is your mental pain coming from, right? And you, in your in your present moment, you have to go back in your past, right, to get that answer. Mm. But not even, you can't answer it in your present moment because you think you can't. So what you do, those same thoughts, those same feelings, those same emotions that have been transferred, that you know from the beginning or whenever it started, you're answering that question from that from that moment in time. So I immediately tell that person, do you not know you're not answering me in your present tense? You're answering me in your past? And it blows their mind. Mm. I say, because guess what? The pain does not exist in this very moment. You went back in your past to answer that question. Mm. Whatever you're suffering so is then not happening right now. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying that I'm still living out my present trauma. I said, yes, ma'am, because you feel a victim or I go right back in the victim mentality. I said, this is this is why you have to separate your being while you are healing because you got to know what you're healing from and how to heal and prepare because, see, your future has not yet come. It is not. It's just waiting for you to heal so you can embrace it and go forward in it. But you can't. The only way you're going to heal from any generational trauma any generational curse, your present person, consciously, eyes wide open, has to make choices to look at the past, face the fear. And you say, oh, my goodness, I cannot possibly face all that fear. Yes, you can, because it took over 400 generations to get you here. So you got the strength. 
You just got to know you got it. A lot of people, they have this low self-esteem, right, because of their past. And they'll say, oh, my mother didn't do this, and I didn't say, you know, she, my father didn't do it. I said, okay, all right, I know that happened, but what are you now? Right. I don't know. I don't know who I am. Have no idea who they are because they're so busy living the traumatized victim still, mindset. Still that, that, there's still that sad child. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You see, through the adult life. Yes. Through the adult life. And it's not even happening, Naima. Yeah. It's not even happening. They're just reliving. They're, they're recycling. Living it. Yeah. They're recycling. And I told them, I said, you're still spinning in circles, and you don't even realize it. You still, all of the stuff that was in, in your, your legacy, everything that was in your pain, everything that was in your narrative, you're still living. Whether you realize you're responding to the world as the broken child. Mm. So how can you... How can anything change and you're still responding to your relationships in your adult life as the broken child? So how can you heal? When when are you going to realize and when are you going to allow yourself, first of all, to look at life from the present moment and not from the past? Mm. Do you see? So the answer to that question, you say, how can a person constantly always say, you know, things will never get better, and they always seem that they always live, they always complain again because they're still living in their trauma. They freed themselves up. You know why? Because they have not made a conscious choice and commitment to do so. So can a person then, because they will not let go of a past trauma, actually keep recreating it? Like I've seen people who may have come out of a, a family that was dysfunctional and abusive, uh, maybe they were the child that was picked on in the family, and they keep attracting to them relationships in which they are mistreated. And it's, it's like it's like being a magnet for bullies, you know, being a magnet for somebody who talks down to them or puts them down or, or disappoints them and won't... Uh, won't show them the affection that they desire, you know, all these things, and they keep being attracted to that same kind of energy, that same kind of person that makes them feel bad. So they're always feeling bad. But as an adult, they made a choice to get involved with that kind of person that hurts them. For as a child, you may not feel that you have the power to make your your parents show you love and affection or, or... or give you encouragement or, you know, show up at at your events or school assemblies or whatever. Maybe they made you feel like you didn't matter, but then you get involved with someone on an intimate level that does the same thing and and stay, so you stay in a state of hurt. But what makes a person consciously or unconsciously keep recreating that same situation? Are they trying to recreate it so they can then conquer it, but they never conquer it. They just stay in it. What what is what is that? It's called it's called body cyclic body cyclic shifting. Okay, in other words, recycle. They mm-hmm. recycle, right? Whatever is inside of you you're gonna attract from the outside. Mm-hmm. Because we're conductors in the universe. Mm-hmm. Which means that all every we're nothing but energy. So we're gonna attract the same energy. 
And we're broken, we're going to attract a broken person, okay? Mm-hmm. And we're fearful, we're going to attract a fearful person, mm-hmm. you know? That's, a, that's, that's what it is. And, you know, even though, like you said, how, why would a person keep going into a relationship um, that is dysfunctional? Because they're still dysfunctional. They don't know how to, they cannot adapt to something that's non-dysfunctional. They only adapt to dysfunction. Like, well, how can a rational person get along with a dysfunctional, dysfunctional person? No, it's not going to work. They're only going to be attracted to someone who is rational, who is not dysfunctional, right? But, but the thing about this is one does not know because a lot of these things are involuntary responses. Talking to Dr. Debbie Green, you're listening to the Female Solution Global Radio TV show, and we'll be right back as we connect. If you are on our switchboard now, we want you to press one. If you have a uh, comment or question, if you have a situation that sounds familiar, we want you to press one and. Get your question answered. We want you to definitely press 1 in enough time to address the topic of discussion. (laughs) Don't wait until the last minute if you have a question. Are you finding yourself in a cycle in which you are consistently attracting to you painful situations from the past? Well, we certainly do want you to call in. We'll be right back with Dr. Debbie Green. Hi, I'm Naima Latif, executive producer of the Female Solution Global Radio TV Show. We are a part of the online network of Associated Internet Radio hosts, On Air. On Air empowers you with transformative news and interactive radio TV shows. This is such a wonderful time to be alive and to see our human family coming together as one community as a result of that powerful tool, the Internet. We can now talk directly to each other all over the world. There's no need for conflict or misunderstanding. There's no need for violence to solve our differences. We can talk to each other face-to-face until we reach an agreement. On Air offers a fantastic global guide to communicators from all over the world who are using their Internet platforms to inspire us to strive to be our best selves in order to become the kind, compassionate, loving people we were all born to be. Once we do that, we'll see planet Earth transformed into a place of peace. Subscribe to the recommended YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and podcasts created by these Voices of Enlightenment. On Air provides daily news briefs and a weekly magazine to keep you abreast of events and opportunities. On Air news affiliates in television, radio, and print share information, insight, and interviews with notable personalities. Go to onaireverywhere.com for a daily dose of uplifting news. We're on air everywhere, online all the time. 
And we are back. You're listening to the Female Solution Global Radio TV show. I'm Naima Latif, and as always, we want you to press one when you are ready to speak, and we can... Terrify them from being alone. Get your At some given point, you've got to get comfortable with yourself. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to pull. I, I was on, on my soapbox when you left, so... <laughs> Yeah, I had to change devices, and uh, we played played some commercials in, 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 in the interim, so we don't have to go to a break again. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, I was just uh, just really emphasizing the greatness in, in individuals that they have to take advantage of and not feel like they've been a victim in life, because victim in life is a destroyer of, of dreams. It does. It destroys so much inside of us. And that sadness overtakes us in some type of way. You know, it does. It, it, it's a, I think sadness is almost like, have you ever seen, uh, if you got a cup of water, right, and you put, like, color in the water, yeah. and you don't shake it or stir it, and you see it like it starts to spread, and after a while it starts to drain all the way down to the bottom, and before you look at it again, the whole thing is the same color. That's the way sadness is. Extreme sadness does the same thing. It just doesn't take over, you know, immediately. And because sadness is a part of depression, it's the heaviness. It takes over bits and pieces of a human being. And uh, that then stops the person from, I mean, completely stops the person from finding pleasure in life. And they become that victim. Yes, you know, I have seen people become that person that's always sad, always angry, and they take that energy into everything they do. So even when there's joy, they create sadness. And I just wonder, you know, what, why do they fear being happy, or maybe is it they don't know how to be happy? Is it possible if you've lived a childhood that has always been sad, is it possible that you just really don't know how to create joy inside yourself because you have not experienced it? Is that a possibility? Uh, yes, ma'am, it is. Um, I've, I've had clients and patients that say, I've never been happy before. Mm, I've never been at peace. Really and I couldn't even imagine that for one second. I said, not even doing a birthday party. You said, no. Always sad. Always sad and downtrodden. And I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, that might have been in your past, but will you make a decision today just to start feeling? Most people, I want to also say this, most people that – tell someone that they've never been happy are not emotionally available for themselves. Mm. So they, they, they stop feeling. They, they're numb because they've been in a pain area that was so severe to, it's again, they just detached from their emotions. And so even when that thing is no longer present, not happening, yeah. they then 
you know, they go right back into that mode. It's called uh, uh, almost like it's their protective, it's their coping mechanism. I just don't want to feel it. So, you know, I just don't want to feel it. Mm. And even when there's joy, I don't want to feel it. I don't know what it is because I don't know how long it's going to last, so I'm not going to feel it because it may end and I may want to stay with it. Then, oh, yeah. So it seems that people make a decision not to feel joy because they're afraid of the disappointment of when it leaves, and they don't want to feel the sadness when the joy leaves, so they choose just never to feel the joy in the first place. Is that is that the, the pattern of thinking that creates that behavior? or that They are afraid addition? to feel it. They are afraid to feel it because they they think that it's again if I feel good and then something happens then I'm gonna feel worse. Mm. So I rather so just stay feeling bad all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know that's not logical, but that's the way that that particular person's mind thinks. Uh, we call that we call that uh, sabotaging, but most of all, future telling. Mm. Future telling, like. They they are then speaking for their future. Like their tomorrow could be beautiful, everything could be perfect, but in their mind, tomorrow is going to be like today. Wow. You know that's really sad because it is. Do you see now it, how that could be extremely sad? It's that's very why I said sadness is like water, water, water. It's like color in a glass of clear water. It just but I tear it down. You ever sit in front of me as far as a therapist? You, that right there won't stay long. <laughs> so, so what do you do? I take options. So, so how what do you do do? How, how do you help someone who doesn't have a a clear memory of a moment of joy in their life that they could even go back to and try to recreate because they simply can't remember how it ever felt to be. Happy. I mean, I, I talked to someone recently who said, you know, I was never happy. I, I don't have any happy memories of a child of a happy childhood. I was always sad. You know, I, they, they had you know dysfunctional family, parents divorced. You know, and when they weren't divorced, they were arguing all the time. There was uh, domestic violence. The children were always afraid. So this is a, this is a person that I was speaking to that has an alcohol addiction, and they just numb themselves just to get through life, but they don't have a conscious memory of ever feeling comfortable, feeling safe, feeling joy. It was always the stress of, you know, when is when is dad going to come home drunk and beat up mom, and when is she going to start screaming and beating us because she's angry and sad, and just the whole cycle. So their home life was always sad and distressing. And then when the parents split, it was financial distress because the mother was struggling to take care of the children and the father didn't help and there was anger and so they 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 left home early and and you know and they're 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 teens but you know you went from one job to the next getting fired cuz they're you know they had developed an alcohol addiction and then you know, there just became a life where 
struggling, going from one bad relationship to another because, you know, they couldn't, they were too wounded to ever be with someone. And Mm -hmm. so there's just a life of sadness. And, And as I listen to them and I'm thinking, how do you get out of that cycle if you can't remember a time of joy and the only thing you do is just keep yourself numb with alcohol. Is there is there a way that someone who has lived a life like that can come out of it if they don't have a memory Absolutely. of joy? Absolutely, yes. I say yes a thousand times over. Well, first we have to, uh, in a situation like that, you have to attack the alcoholism because that's the coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. So that has to change. They need to detox, do what they have to do, go to a rehab, 30-day rehab or whatever they need to do to stabilize themselves and get a, a history of sobriety in front of them so their mind can clear. They can't, they can't it's hard to do um, psychotherapy work on yourself when you are intoxicated. Mm. You just can't do it. So um, that is the first move. And they can do that while they are getting their psychotherapy. But uh, I will always suggest to do a 30-day rehab just to really get yourself on a good push-off where you can then get a clear uh, mind and then go and get some real solid, non-surface therapy to deal with those roots because mm-hmm. he got he has a lot of roots down in there of unhappiness and a lot of roots of trauma so as he when he does do that then uh he, once he clears himself of the alcohol addiction and gets some days in front of him then he can sit start analyzing his life mm-hmm. analyzing those traumatized areas and the way they analyze them is by asking the question, writing things down, writing the traumas down, and ask, you know, how did this affect me, and write how it affected you by each trauma, each trauma, each trauma, and then go back, prioritize them. I mean, if you got 20 traumas, or whatever the case may be, then you prioritize them as the ones you want to deal with first. You see what I'm saying? Then you take one by one, by one until you've got to the bottom of that list and you have finalized it. And the thing about it is a lot of suppressed emotions are from those things because you can tell this person has a lot of suppressed emotions because they, they have built up an alcohol or drug, well, alcohol tendency of coping mechanisms. Um, it's a good chance that they have literally um, been in a home where their parents or somebody drank and they just picked up that same type of uh, behavior, thinking that, that was, that's the answer, which it, it's not, because that's the reason why that person was dysfunctional, because it's a good chance right. we go back in their history, we're going to see alcohol abuse or some kind of abuse. It's always in the, in the epigenetics, Naima, yeah. always transferred. So not knowing you know, that you can't get that transfer, then, okay, if they never experienced happiness, like you said, right? So now one has to create self-creation and self-compassion and self-discipline is a must. Mm. Can't do it without 
can't do without it. The discipline is going to keep you practicing sobriety, and it, and then the self-compassion is going to nurture and heal and soothe those parts of you that have been hurt and, and going to pain. You see what I'm saying? And then, yeah. then you, you have to have the creativity to create something else in your life that never was there. But you have to create a soothing pattern of life. I call it a soothing pattern, which is like, have I ever made myself happy before? Have I ever done anything for me? Have I had any type of pleasure in life that just involved me? Not me doing things for other people, but just me. Mm. You know, so they have to actually create that. If they've never had it, they have to create the experience. They got to develop it all over again because it was not there. It was not there. So they they literally have to develop it. Like they got to make time for themselves and not look again, removing that victim mentality and say, okay, here I am. I'm in this area. I'm no longer a victim. Okay, what's next? Mm. What's next? What's next? How can I, and this is what they ask themselves, how can I help myself right here in my moment? Mm. How can I help myself? Yes. And you're like, you say, well, I don't know. No, you do know. It's just that you never ask yourself that and really have a thought-provoking moment. Yeah. Something, you know, that you can do. Because if you can't do, if you don't do anything, nothing's going to change. You're going to go right back into the old cycle. Because the brain goes, the brain does not have the ability to change itself. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't. You got to change. Now I've had an associate who grew up in you know one of those families where she was the oldest, and she ended up kind of more or less being a mother figure to all the children. She was always the one that had to take responsibility very early. Uh, Again, you know, parents divorced, mother had to be working all the time. So she ended up always being the older sister that had to take care of the the little babies, had to assume adult responsibilities, and never, was never catered to herself. She was never the one who got the birthday parties or uh, got the expensive presents or whatever. She was just the one who did the work. You know, she was the one who had to do the cleaning and, you know, make sure dinner was fixed and all these things very early in life because of, right. you know, mother being gone because the father left and all of that. So now as an adult, this is someone who's very sad, and yet she she's one of those people always volunteering, always doing things, and yet uh-huh. neglects herself, neglects her physical health, uh, turns to food as a comfort, and, you know, the, the, the outcome of that is obesity right. and all the things that come as a result of, of neglect of your body, you know, so there's then, you know, physical illnesses that require you know, doctor's care, which is unnecessary because she's not an old person. She's fairly young, and yet it's the the, the, the food that brings the comfort because of the sadness, because of the self-neglect, because of the maybe neglect as a child because of the family circumstances. 
So how does a person get out of that pattern of, in a way, self-abuse, even even though it's through food, but still if, you know, the overeating, sugary sweets keep you physically ill or almost to the point of being disabled and then therefore not having the kind of relationship that you want because you're not attracting the person that you would like to attract because you've abused your body, how does how does one get out of that pattern of thought that makes them not take care of themselves, both physically and emotionally, therefore they keep reproducing, you know, the the, the, the loneliness, the sadness, the disappointment, uh relationships where people don't really care about her, maybe use her for her money or whatever and all of that. And I see the pattern and where it was set, but is it possible for a person who's in it to see it and choose to change it? Yes, if they see it, like you said. Some people don't have self-awareness. So they're caught up in their own habits of dysfunctional behavior and actions. So with self-awareness, it brings on like, okay, this is me. I'm doing this to me. I'm allowing this to happen to me. You see what I'm saying? So I got to make a choice to stop allowing this to happen to me. But, again, if you got self-awareness, you're just going to keep with the same patterns, and you're going to keep attracting the same things over and over again. Yeah. Because nothing else can't change. There's no change without change. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. Mm. So life then usually, uh, Naima, will throw a monkey wrench in it all, which means something will happen where that person then goes to a lower, they start declining, like, um, you know, they start to, uh, when I say declining mentally, um, they will begin to uh, start deteriorating mentally. Even if they have an addiction, they start deteriorating mentally or even emotionally. They have no emotional control at all because they're deteriorating mentally. Mm. And from that point on, then things start to immediately change in that person's life. Then they're no longer um, this conscious person that does not just have, that just does not have awareness, now they are deteriorating within themselves. Now, they can just go into the denial state, oh, this ain't happened to me, I don't know what anybody's talking about, I'm fine, Mm. or they can stay in the victim mentality. I'm like this because of this, I'm like this because of that, but they never ever take responsibility. Mm. That's what we find in addictions where people uh, constantly keep evolving. They'll stop and they'll start back again, stop and start back again. But they don't take responsibility. They don't take responsibility. Same thing with domestic violence. If you keep keep having a domestic relationship that turns into violence, you got to ask yourself, is it me or is it them? You ask yourself, why do I keep running into people that, that are hurting me? Yes. Oh, a good chance because you're hurting yourself. Mm. That first time, it, it might have been reality. But that second, third, fourth, fifth, uh-uh. Now, you, you're just attracting the people 
even when I think that my life is still steady falling apart, it doesn't matter. Try the new way. Create. 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 If somebody gave you three crayons when you were five years old and a piece of blank paper, you would ask them, okay, mommy, daddy, whoever, what am I going to do with this? You immediately sat down somewhere. I don't care if it was on the floor. You put them crayons in your hand, and your hand went to move. You didn't worry about what it looked like, huh? You didn't worry about what somebody else said. Matter of fact, you got so happy, you just picked up and said, Mommy, Daddy, look. Look what I did. Okay, where's that energy that you had? Don't let life break you down the way you can't live no more. No, you will not exist. And you will not just survive. You're going to thrive. You are going to thrive. Make a decision today to thrive. Make a decision today to come out of victim mentality. Don't be a slave to nothing. Whatever loss, see ya. I can't do nothing with you. I can't, you know, if it's, if it's a loved one that passed away, they're in a better place. Then you, you still dealing with those, those issues of life. They ain't dealing with them no more. They at peace. Yes, I know you miss them, but move on. You live, they'll live through you. Trust me. If it's a divorce, chalk it up as a lesson well learned. Keep it moving. It's a brighter day on the other side. You don't ever lose your ability to love, and you will find that. Guess what? Loving me is just good. I ain't never loved me before. I have not been emotionally available for me before. This don't feel so bad. Maybe I need to do more of this. Absolutely. It's not selfish. It's not selfish to love you. It's called selfness, people. It is the ability that you give yourself permission to love you every day. Without question. Don't apologize for it. Do it. And if those individuals that are around you say, wait a minute, you don't love me because you've been spending too much time. Well, guess what? You better tell them, but you're lucky you got that much energy from me. I've been so focused on you, I done lost myself. No, don't ever leave yourself behind. You tell your future that I'm waiting. You tell your past that it's over. And you live for your now. Live for your now. I don't care if your children, your husband, your wives, family, I don't care, dog, cat. Hey, don't let nothing stop you from living your best life. Life is made to live, not just to exist, people. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to leave this with you. I have a client a long, long time ago. He was 80-something years old. And I remember him telling him, I'll never forget it. And I based my life on it. He said, he said, Dr. Dad, there's one thing about it. I've been depressed all my life. I ain't never do a day of happiness. He said, it's not dying that bothers me. But walking around dying inside and still living, that that bothers me. He said, I'll make a decision. that I may not have many more years left on this earth, but I'm going to make a decision today to love myself, past myself. And when he wow. said that, his whole demeanor changed. He made a decision to live and, and not die. die. He, he made, made a decision to be and not just do. He, he made, made a decision to, to love, love 
Don't you mm. know you might oh, have a charm life? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Don't you know I, you might have I, a charm life? But we got to help yeah, everybody else. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, I thank you for those comments, and I agree that people tend to uh, live a life of stress trying to measure up to somebody else's idea of what is acceptable. But I'm going to throw this thought out there, and I know we just got a couple of minutes left uh, for Dr. Debbie's last comments. I want to throw this thought out there for people who are perhaps obsessing over racial injustice. It's just like everything else that we talk about. You draw things to you with your own energy. And you can live in the same place as another person and have two totally different experiences. They might be the person that's always getting arrested, always getting uh, uh, verbally abused, always being talked to meanly. And you could be someone who just because you're saying good morning to people and, and walking around with a smile, everyone's nice to you. People always offering to carry your bags or, or you know, open a door for you or, or uh, say a kind word. So you can be among the same people and having two different experiences and both be, both be of the same racial construct and even physically look alike but have, this, have two different experiences based on the energy that you're projecting. And I would like to submit the thought that not blaming victims but understanding the energy that you project, you are attracting to you what you're experiencing. And that means you have to look at yourself. What am I thinking about myself? What am I believing about myself that keeps attracting to me bad treatment from others? Because it really does come from within. So, Dr. Debbie, last moment, I guess you last thoughts. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, again, it's what we're focused on. We are not victims, people. We're Please not victims. be careful of your victim mentality. Doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter what they did. Doesn't matter who did what, how, when. You make the conscious effort to free your mind. Free your mind of the same things that fully aware that our ancestors came here with chains. We're fully aware they came in with the pressure and of the endurance on their souls and back, but we made it to shore. So let's not do them the injustice to not put those mental chains and those mental shackles on our heart and spirit. Allow yourself to be free and think free and be free. Absolutely. And God bless you. Yes. Thank you so much, YouTube. Thank you so much for watching. And, again, subscribe to our channel, Facebook Watchers. Thank you also, Blog Talk listeners. Thank you so much. And it's our goal to bring effortlessly energy, but good energy, to the world and through education and information. All right. And you have a blessed day. And join us again tomorrow. We'll be back here. Come to the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash female dash solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash the female solution. Leave your comments about today's show. 
You can always reach me on my website at www.naimalatif.com. That's www.naimahlatif.com. Watch our TV shows, listen to our radio shows, order our books, and be sure to get your copy of the book, The Female Solution. On behalf of our team of radio hosts, I'd like to thank all of you who participated in today's discussion. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshe, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Arigato, Korea, Kamsanida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, John Kujun, France, Merci, Spain, Gracias, Italy, Grazie, Egypt, Shukran, Ghana, Medasi, Nigeria, Eshe, South Africa, Ngiabonga, Senegal, Jared, Kenya, Asante, Israel, Toda, Pakistan, Shukriya, Afghanistan, Tashakor, Saudi Arabia, Shukran. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Thank you, and may peace be upon you and the mercy of God and God's blessing.